every organization or every group to which it is worth belonging has a mission or a purpose or a vision, right? Otherwise, it's just sort of a country club that you may or may not have to pay dues and exist only for your own fulfillment. What we call the church, that thing, that uh, uh, building of people together by Jesus has a mission and a purpose. The church is, before anything else, the assembly of faithful people together around Jesus and upon the proclamation of Jesus for the purpose that Jesus gave it. And Jesus gave the church, Jesus gave his disciples a person, a, a, a purpose, a mission built upon his person. And what we see in this particular gospel reading this morning, Matthew chapter 4, we see Jesus give to his earliest disciples that mission, that purpose. That mission, that purpose that carries over to all who would call themselves disciples after and all churches that would call themselves churches of Jesus. What we see this morning in, in our gospel reading is, is simply this. Following Jesus comes at his invitation. It changes your life, and the call is to a mission. Matthew begins his narrative of Jesus' public ministry, noting Jesus' fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And then he gives an example of, of Jesus' preaching. After Jesus' baptism and temptation, after John the Baptist gave witness to Jesus' identity that we see recorded in John chapter 1, and after Jesus' first meeting with Andrew and Simon, John the Baptist was arrested, and Matthew tells us Jesus went to Galilee for a purpose, or for a reason, uh, Matthew notes. Jesus went to Galilee, Gentile Galilee, as fulfillment of prophecy. He, we see, is the one bringing the great light and the increase of joy that Nancy read for us from Isaiah chapter 9. Jesus fulfills prophecy as he is the wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. He is everlasting father. He is the prince of peace. Jesus begins his ministry as the peaceful ruler who will sit upon the throne of David and so it's quite appropriate for Jesus to begin his ministry preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus here, uh, as, as Matthew records his preaching in verse 17 of Matthew 4, Jesus here says very much the same thing that John the Baptist is recorded as saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But there's a qualitative difference between Jesus' preaching and John's preaching. John preached, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand as the forerunner to prepare the people for the coming of the king. Jesus preaches as the king. And so Jesus says, the kingdom is at hand because the king is at hand. And the king then, Jesus, sets about peopling the kingdom. He sets about bringing disciples into the kingdom of heaven. Are you all with me this morning? We sure? All right, good. Praise the Lord. That's right. And so we see Jesus issue an invitation, an invitation that changes the life of these disciples, the lives of these disciples. And we see Jesus issue with that invitation, with that call, marching orders, so to speak. 
While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Any entrance into the kingdom of heaven, any following of Jesus, comes first at his invitation. Now, almost certainly, Andrew and Simon have already encountered Jesus. Their first encounter with Jesus was recorded in John chapter 1, and that was due to John the Baptist's testimony. And so, hearing John the Baptist say about Jesus, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, Andrew goes to Jesus, says, Hey, where are you staying? Jesus says, Come and you will see. He issues that invitation. In the case of Simon Peter, his brother brought him to Jesus, Andrew, and here, Jesus calls the brothers to a new level of knowing him. Here in Matthew chapter 4, he calls them to be his disciples. This is more than just having an acquaintance with Jesus. This is more than just knowing some structural facts about Jesus' life. This is more than just knowing who Jesus is. This is knowing Jesus as master. A disciple was and is a follower or a student of a master and a disciple is one who learns to live and learns to be like the master from the master at the feet of the master and so here we see jesus on these occasions with these four men we see jesus say come and sit at my feet come and learn from me come and be my disciple my follower and i will be your master that is an invitation discipleship almost always was the result of the master issuing an invitation. And that certainly holds true regarding the first disciples, and it certainly holds true regarding disciples of Jesus now. We must recognize that calling ourselves disciples of Jesus means that we've responded to the grace given by God in Jesus with faith. We've received that which he has first done. We've received as an invitation to follow him. It's all by grace. And this is by grace. Following Jesus comes at his invitation. And it changes your life. Changes our lives. Notice what happens with Simon and Andrew and James and John. I'll pick back up in verse 19 of Matthew 4 if you're following along in your Bibles. He said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Kind of like Obi-Wan Kenobi said to Luke Skywalker, right? Follow me and I'll make you a disciple. Uh, <laughs> that's sort of what it is. I'll make you a Jedi. But this is true and not fanciful. And Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Talk about a change of your life. You know, responding to the invitation of Jesus, come and follow me. It costs uh, Peter and or Simon and Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John, it costs them their their occupations, cost them their livelihoods. As as Andrew, Simon, James and John received Jesus' invitation, his call to, to follow him, and as they respond with faith and obedience, their lives were dramatically altered. Notice, uh, Matthew says twice, immediately they left their nets, they left their boats, they left their livelihoods, 
James and John even left their father holding the rope. These four men and the other eight disciples like them leave behind their security, their economic welfare. They leave behind the roofs they had over their heads. And for some, they left behind family. These four men paid a price to follow Jesus. And you know what? As we read the gospel accounts, as we look at the New Testament and the, the, the church history that we have, what we see is that is absolutely normal. At various points in his gospel account, St. Matthew records Jesus talking to his disciples about the cost of discipleship in both positive and negative ways. Some people, like these men, give up and follow. Some men or some people, like the rich young ruler, cannot give up and cannot follow because the cost of discipleship was leveled as too high in their perspective. All of the gospel accounts do this, talk about the cost of discipleship. And in fact, all of them are quite clear. Following Jesus means that nothing remains the same. Not even the song remains the same. I reach deep for that one. Some things are lost in following Jesus and responding to his invitation. Some things are lost, but true life, true life is gained. A disciple cannot receive Jesus' words, follow me, and do it, and have things remain the way they are. It just doesn't work that way. It's true that discipleship may not, it may not result in us ever leaving an occupation. It might. It may mean a loss of family and friends. Ask Uh, people who were once Muslims and became Christians. Ask what it cost them. It may mean a change in business practices. It will mean, certainly mean, a change in lifestyle. And it will most certainly mean a loss of personal control. I did just say something. (laughs) Following Jesus means we just don't get to have our own way anymore as we come to follow the Lord and Savior. Siri does need Jesus, by the way. (laughs) Following Jesus, responding to his invitation with faith and obedience, means we just don't get to have our own way anymore. It means that as disciples, we serve a master. Following Jesus means the illusion of free moral agency evaporates before the glory of the king, like fog evaporating before the brightness of the sun. Nothing remains the same. And yes, your pant size may not change because of Jesus, but even that is different now at a a deep level of being. Different because the very purpose of our life changes as Jesus' invitation to follow is a call to a life of purpose, of meaning, a life of mission. Following Jesus comes at his invitation. It changes our lives, and it is to a mission. Now, before we move on much further, we have to recognize who these men were. Here in this particular text, these four men, we have to recognize that they're fishermen. And Andrew and Simon were fishermen, and fishing on the Sea of Galilee was a common trade. Andrew and Simon and and, and James and John, like the other disciples, it doesn't seem as though there was anything special or unique about them. They're, they're, they're regular guys 
doing regular jobs and working very hard at it. Andrew, Simon, James, and John, they had no power. They had no prestige. They had no authority. They weren't politicians. They weren't priests. They didn't have vast fortunes, and they didn't have vast armies. They were regular men doing regular jobs, and Jesus called them into his kingdom. Jesus called them into his life. Jesus called them into his mission. When he says to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. More than just a cute pun played upon their occupation of the men which whom, with whom Jesus spoke. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. This is an invitation. This is a call to be a disciple, and it's a call to a mission. A disciple, as we've said, is, is one who follows a master, learns from the master, and there's one more thing about being a disciple. A disciple is one who shares in the mission of the master. Any disciple of Jesus, then, any person who responds to his invitation with faith and obedience is to share in and actively work for the mission of Jesus. And what is that mission? Well, the mission that Jesus gives to his disciples is the same mission that he himself was upon. That's God's mission. That is establishing God's kingdom and filling that kingdom with people. We really boil it down. When Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, what he's saying is make disciples. Be a disciple who makes disciples. Jesus is inviting, he is calling, he is commanding even his disciples to make disciples. So responding to Jesus' invitation to follow necessarily means being enlisted into his service to accomplish the mission. It means becoming a disciple who makes disciples. It means being a church that makes disciples. It means being a church with a culture of invitation and welcoming. It means being fishers of men. Now, at the end of St. Matthew's Gospel, this single verse, chapter 4, verse 19, gets expanded. Jesus, at the end of Matthew's Gospel, has already been crucified. He has already been risen, raised from the dead. He has already spent time with his disciples, and at the end of Matthew's gospel, he's getting ready to return to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, awaiting that time when he'll be sent back. And he says to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's part of me, you know, a fisher of men. And that is for everybody who would be a disciple of Jesus. Notice that these are regular guys. Suddenly the excuse, uh, but I, I'm just normal. I'm, I'm not gifted. Neither were they. Suddenly the excuse, I'm too young. Well, we don't know how old they were, but they probably weren't uh, in their 60s. The excuse, I'm too old. Well, you know, I don't see a retirement age in the Gospels. But I've got this business to take care of. I've got this to do. I've got that to do. You know, part of the reality is for us is that being on mission, being a disciple, making disciples, for most of us will not require we give up our jobs and move to, to Asia or Africa or inner city somewhere. 
For most of us, being a disciple that makes disciples means that we do it within our group of family, friends, and neighbors because every one of us in here know people who do not know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is your mission field. That is the sea in which we are called to fish. Responding to the call of Jesus with faith changes everything. It changes the purpose of our lives. The master of Christian conviction, Oswald Chambers, put it this way. If I am a Christian, I am not set on saving my own skin, but on seeing that the salvation of God comes through me to others. So that's the mission, right? There's a purpose. It's given. But how do we do it? What is there for us to do? What does it look like to be an active part of Jesus' mission? What does it look like for us to be a fisher of men? Before anything else, it seems as though we probably ought to follow Jesus' example. Notice how our gospel reading from Matthew 4 concluded today with verse 23. He went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Notice what Jesus did, and notice what Jesus does. Jesus preached the gospel, and he did works of mercy. Jesus spoke truth. Jesus preached the gospel. Jesus loved people and met their needs. In this, Jesus gives, and he gave a model for fishing. In just a few chapters, what we call chapters, a little bit later on in his ministry, in Matthew chapter 10, having modeled this ministry, speaking truth, preaching gospel, loving people, Jesus then sends out his 12 disciples, saying to them, proclaim as you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. Those regular guys who were working regular jobs responded with faith to the life-changing call and invitation to follow Jesus, enlisted on a mission to do what he had done, speak truth, proclaim the gospel, and love people. Being on mission means being proactive. It means not waiting for people to come to us because we're so attractive. I am by no means an expert fisherman. I grew up in Kansas, and so now large bodies of water frighten me. And by large bodies of water, I mean swimming pools in people's backyards. But I do know that fish do not typically jump into the boat. And I do know the fishermen have to cast a net. They have to throw a line. It is the same with fishing for men. Jens Ovison was a salmon fishing in Norway's Gaula River, and he was swept away with the current. A seasoned fisherman named Wilhelmsen saw it happen, and he knew the river so completely well, he knew the currents so well that he knew where it would carry gins. So he stood on a bridge above the river and he began to cast, trying to snag gins waders. He did with a homemade lure. And he was able to reel in a 250-pound man, saving his life. Jesus' disciples then and now have a necessary role to play in the peopling of the kingdom. In his grace and in his mercy, God uses our words our words of giving testimony to reveal to the hearts and minds of our audience and to work in them by the power of the Holy Spirit for Jesus to issue the invitation, follow me. Jesus gave us the model, speak truth, preach the gospel, love people. And Jesus gives his church, Jesus gives his disciples the equipment to do the work. 
In Matthew chapter 10, again, just before sending out the twelve, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Jesus does very much the same thing in Matthew chapter 28. And in the early chapters of the book of Acts, Jesus pours out his Holy Spirit to infill and indwell his disciples for the very purpose of the accomplishment of the mission he has given. The Holy Spirit is the equipment to love people, to preach the gospel, to proclaim truth. Jesus gives a call. Jesus models the mission. Jesus gives equipment for the mission. Is this who we are? Does the church in America do this? Do we as Emmanuel Anglican Church do this? Do we proactively go out and cast a net? Do we speak truth? Do we proclaim the gospel? Do we love people? Churches have a disciple, must have a disciple-making culture. They must have a culture of invitation and welcome. We cannot be content to wait for the fish to jump into our boat. Churches must have a disciple-making culture. They must be filled with disciples who make disciples. Jesus has given the mission. He has modeled the mission. He gives the equipment. We have no excuse. Am I better than Andrew? He's a regular guy. What am I? Regular guys, regular ladies, working regular jobs. Churches must have a disciple-making culture that must be filled with disciples who make disciples. It was intended from the very beginning. This is such great grace, by the way, to be enlisted to be able to work alongside God in his mission. We are like Jake and Elwood. We are on a mission from God, and that mission is to make disciples. The mission is to model, follow Jesus' model, going where people are, loving them, speaking truth, proclaiming the gospel, not in our own power, not in our own authority, and in the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit, and quite frankly, leaving the results to him. Churches must be filled with disciples who make disciples. Following Jesus comes at his invitation. It changes our lives, and it is to a mission. Regular people invited by Jesus to follow him. Regular people given a mission and equipment to speak truth, to proclaim the gospel, and to love people. Regular people, disciples making disciples. Regular people gone fishing. I've said this to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Gracious God, we do praise you and give you thanks for life in Jesus, and we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we would be disciples who make disciples. Father God, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, those who need to be loved, need to hear truth, need to hear the gospel. Go before us in the power of your Holy Spirit and prepare hearts and minds to receive that which we have to offer. Give us courage and strength to do it. Lord, not for our glory, not so that we would be made famous, but so that Jesus would be known so that your kingdom would be full of people, that you would be glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.